Welcome to the Everyman Sports Podcast, the show for fans, by fans. No former pros, no so-called experts, just real passionate fans. From outside on a porch to inside a living room, in the parking lot of a stadium to the dining room table, friends and families chat about their teams, their games, and what makes them cheer. This is Everyman Sports. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everyman Sports. My name is Chad. I'm the owner-operator of this podcast. Our number is 626-427-7678. That's 626-427-7678. And you can find us across social media at Everyman Sports. With me this week, as per usual this time of year, is my dad. How you doing, Dad? I'm doing great, son. Oh, great. Ooh, hey, nice and loud. i got to adjust the uh, knobs here. Here at the kitchen table of uh, Everyman Sports. Um, so let's talk about uh, the wild. It wasn't the wild card weekend. It was divisional, but it was quite wild. Now, we went into the weekend uh, in the previous episode talking about how you figured one of the quarterbacks, one of the big-name quarterbacks would lose, Brady, Roethlisberger, Ryan, and Breeze. And it turns out you weren't just right. You were very right, and it turns out three fell to the wayside. That was amazing, right? Absolutely. Well, let's start with the one that, you know, did make it through, of course. Uh, Brady and the Patriots beat up on the now coachless Tennessee Titans 35-14. to um, They ju- Titans jumped out to a 7 nothing lead early, and then 35 unanswered points until garbage time set up for... Uh, them moving on to the NFC AFC Championship so, game. So cream uh, cream rises to the top. And apparently, it usually does. I I I can't. But then again, poop floats. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I just I team. I don't know what happens when teams go to Foxborough. They take stupid pills. They get there. It's like it just gets too big for them. But how prepared are the Patriots? I mean, they're always prepared. I mean, you cannot say otherwise. They are always prepared. In past years, they've been so prepared because they've got video cameras, but that's beside the point. The, uh, um, I mean, Malarkey just, he was seemed out of his element. Uh, I mean, he didn't know what to do. His clock management was bad. They insisted. Look, I understand that you want to run Derrick Henry because he's a mountain of a man, but they stacked the box. They dared Mariota to throw. Mariota was only successful before they put a spy on him when he was running around and making plays. Well, then it's amazing how many spies they had. They had a defensive tackle, a spy linebacker. I mean, they changed it up. They really did, yeah. I mean, look, Belichick is, he's Belichick. He's a really good defensive coach. And um, Corey Davis, the speed burner, the speed merchant on the outside, was actually the only positive for them that uh, in that game, uh, going for two touchdowns uh, deep. Um and also, I mean, just the penalties went the Patriots' way. Not that, you know, 35-14, it's not like it made a difference. But, you know, some momentum swings. I mean, how did you think that that was a, a defensive um, uh, call on that punt? The punt that was originally, it was a penalty on the Patriots, and then they changed it. Oh, no, no, it's on the Titans. Because <laughs> he was not in the neutral zone when that ball went off. Right, they get all the breaks. Take, but really, what I saw in that game is, I mean, I saw Brady, like, send somebody in motion, see if he's against zone, man-to-man, and then he was screening 
you know, against uh, against the zone. And it was amazing how many short passes. I mean, went for, you know, the yardage. Yeah. D.I. Yeah, Deion Lewis run amok. James White made a uh, reappearance, reemergence in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a big part of their playoff run. Yeah, something like seven straight touchdowns in the postseason for the Patriots. Unbelievable. Now, from what I understand, the Jags were twenty first against the run. I mean, I was shocked to even hear that. So uh, it doesn't bode well. No, it doesn't. Um, and we'll get to that. We'll we'll, we'll preview that game. But I'm going to say right now, I'll, I'll I'll put this pressure. It's all all going to be about pressure on Brady. Um, speaking of the Jaguars, um, I had uh, heard a stat that I sent you. Uh, 14 out of the previous 16 matchups in which a team beat another team in the regular season by 20 or more points, uh, 14 out of 16 times won the rematch. And that happened again. It happened again, 15 out of 17. Jaguars totally overlooked by by the Steelers. I mean, so many distractions by the Steelers that you got to wonder what is going on in Pittsburgh, very un-Steeler-like. Yeah, how did, they, how did the Jags score that many points? I mean, well, first of all, the defense helped. A um, bunch more turnovers, a uh, bunch of turnovers on Roethlisberger. He threw another interception. Um, just things did not not go well yeah, for and them. a couple of fourth and ones that didn't materialize. That was a little bit risky calling midfield. Right, Um but it's funny, you know, we forget that two of those touchdowns were act for the Steelers were actually on fourth down. That deep pass. Uh, for that the, was beautiful. And not only that, two touchdowns on fourth down is just, uh, that's unbelievable. But, no, the one we're always going to talk about is the one where, you know, Roethlisberger now says that he's not allowed to, you know, break, um, break rank and call a quarterback sneak, that he had to do a pitch to uh, Le'Veon Bell that caused a loss. I mean, the Jaguars right. won the line of scrimmage, and, I mean, their defensive backfield is amazing. Their running back, I'm sorry, their linebackers are big and fast. They are fast. Miles Jack is, he's jacked. He is some sort of, some sort of amazing. Yeah, they crank it up. They really do. But 45-42 to 42, uh, win for the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, wow, unbelievable. Bortles had a had a positive day. You know, we talk, you've talked about all season how the alternating weeks, good Jags, bad that's, Jags. That's how they started. That's how they started, and so far in the playoffs, I mean. Uh, They've gotten better. I, I think we can agree that the Bills had a better defense than the Steelers. Obviously, it's the offense of the Steelers that's far superior to the Bills' offense. But, I mean, this is a... You know, the Jaguars ran the ball, and they lost Fournette uh, early in the game. T.J. Yeldon stepped right in, and he stepped up. He did. He really did. I mean, yeah, just unbelievable. He, yeah, it's a team. Yeah. Uh, the Jaguars are, they have three. coming. Well, they have three. Look, they're all built around the running game. They have three legitimate starting running backs for any team. Leonard Fournette is the big man, you know, the sure. rookie. But, I mean, they've got Chris Ivory, who's a pass-catching uh, running back. He, he, he's like a bigger version of Kamara. Um, sure. And then TJ Yeldon, he used to be the starter in in uh, Jacksonville. And it, they were very lucky they escaped that Yeldon was actually able to play well in the game against the Steelers because he was the only one dressed. 
you know, when for, they had they had Ivory be a um, a uh, a scratch, a healthy scratch, but he was able to do well, and you know, Bortles found the tight end, and he was fine. So, just a really good shocker. Yeah, yeah, it was a really just a crazy game. I mean, the fact that it was so close, and the Steelers came back, and yeah, so good for Marone, good for the Jags, and now they go up to New England, and we'll get to that game in a few minutes. Moving over to the NFC, um, in a game, I mean, nobody, no, uh, you know, quite literally nobody had the Eagles winning that game. I mean, they they struggled. You know, Foles was all right, but I mean, they they ran the ball and they kicked field goals. But the we forget that the Eagles' defense is um, fantastic, and they yeah, earned their formidable. Yeah, but I mean, nobody really expected. Foles to do well, or just they everybody figured that that game would fall apart, and it came but down they to ate up the dog roll. They really did. Lane Johnson wearing his uh, underdog mask, very creepily. Long, Long was wearing one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it did come down to the end. Um, did you think that that should have been pass interference on Julio? Well, to begin with, it looks like you pushed him down, but not at the end. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he it, pushed him down in the end zone, didn't he? I guess, but it, at the same time, like, can you as a ref? Could you as a referee really decide the game right then and there on on that play? Unless it was so blatant. I mean, because there were plenty of other plays around the league in the play. I, you know, one thing I will say, you know, as much as that Tennessee uh, Kansas City game was marred by the officiating, they at least are letting these guys play. And they're not the refs are not deciding the game. There, if he calls in every game, no yeah. Matter what. But you know, this to me happens every year in the NFL, and because they want the world exposure and they want the game to look clean, so throwing a bunch of flags doesn't make the game look clean. Plus, it's so I I really believe that. Plus, it slows it down as it is. You know, we have to you know deal with the. Oh well, yeah, they want it. They want it to look professional, right? But we have to deal with the automatic review, which which kills time as well. So it it makes it very mm. difficult. You know, hey, the the NBA got rid of traveling for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, and flopping, they're doing pretty well on on putting the kibosh on. So good for them in that respect. And there then the game, which we, I mean, look, leading up to four o'clock, or I'm sorry, four thirty, Sunday afternoon. We all expected that to be by far the best game, the Saints and the Vikings. And then we had two games back to, um, you know, almost back to back. Um, but you had the early game Saturday. You had the early game Sunday, both fantastic games going down to the end. And how are we going to top this? Well, we topped it with the Minnesota Miracle um, and Stefan Diggs uh, and poor... Poor, what's his name? Marcus Williams. Poor Marcus Williams. What do you mean poor? He's well. I mean, the guy that doesn't do his homework doesn't doesn't do what he's supposed to do. I mean, what would happen to just do your job? Well, poor as in poor tackling and poor you mm-hmm. know read on it. Right. But I tell you what, this uh, this um, twenty two thousand eighteen has been, I mean, bad safety play. You know, in the Alabama Georgia game, the safety comes down. He he's looked off by a uh, Tungavalua. And he he breaks and he lets the guy run past him for the winning touchdown in the uh, national championship game. And here's Mar- mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Williams trying to take out Diggs's legs when he's halfway up in the air. 
Yeah, but yeah, exactly. So he doesn't have his head set up. His head's down. He's not seeing. He's not seeing the target. And much like a spur in bowling, he knocks his own player out of bounds. So there's nobody. I know, and Diggs... I mean, he's the poster boy for poor tackling, and that's not going to be shown in every NFL team for many times. Oh, I can guarantee you that that's going to be played nonstop with the remaining four teams. Like, don't, mm-hmm. hello, tackle. You need to tackle. Now, do you see how the, the publicity department for, for the Vikings come out and ex- explains that uh, why he did that? I mean, talk about deflection. Oh, I this... Mean, you know, but, nobody's believing that uh, he tried to avoid an uh, interference penalty. Who, the but Saints I mean, or the Vikings? Yeah, the Vikings came out with that, right? Because it, it, yeah, it's intolerable. Yeah. So they wanted to deflect the attention like it was, you know, somehow the refs, you know. Well, it, it worked out well for the Vikings, and uh, they move on. The Minnesota Miracle. Well, well what, you know, it's... It's the Minnesota miracle, right? Yeah. So we had the we had the uh, Music City miracle. What happened the game after that? Uh, so did that help them or not? Yeah, that's the that's the year that the Titans went on to go to the Super Bowl. And what happened in that game? Well, they lost by the. Well, okay, so in other words, what happens after the miracle? Like, it, is that your high point? Well, don't forget the Viking. Uh, the the Titans lost by one yard. That's the one yard short game. Right, right, but still. Yeah. You know, can, can we expect this with uh, the Vikings now? Like they played their best game, and the Eagles haven't, or is this just something where you know it's destiny and you just roll on? Uh, it could be destiny. I mean, look, uh, let's move on to to these to this to uh, conference champion championship Sunday. Um, two games to decide who's going where. Um, but I mean, this could be this could be the thing. Look, the Vikings have have not had favorable kismet. And it's both been on kicks, um, you know the the Gary Anderson 1998 championship game right. where he missed the field goal that would have put the Falcons away. They came back and tied it, and they lost in overtime. Well, these are two franchises that are just full of disappointment. Well, three three of the la- remaining four teams have never won the Super Bowl, and then the other ones, the Patriots, who have only won Super Bowls in the last you know 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's. It's really interesting going in. I mean, the matchup that everybody wants to see is Vikings-Patriots. Um, I'll take half Why? that. Why? Well, you want the Vikings because they'd be the only team to host, to play in the host uh, Super It's not well, That's a, important to them, not to me. No, uh, although it's, it's important to a lot of people, including um, uh, ticket resellers. Um, they're expected to. They can make extra bank. Um, because, As if they don't make enough already. Well, I know, but it would over—it would really inflate the market. Like these would be the most expensive, and not just uh, without inflation, like the most expensive Super Bowl tickets of all time. If the Vikings make it, if of course they do have to travel down to Philadelphia. Um, and how do they, and and how do they do on grass? I don't know. I mean that that that's not their forte. I mean it didn't it didn't serve them well in, in uh, against Carolina. No. No, it didn't. Um, but, you know, they, they are riding. Look, one team's going with the underdog. The other team's going with the um, miracle and the and the um, fate and destiny aspect of it. So, <laughs> no, but that's going to be real. And quite frankly, I'm kind of glad that that's the late game. Also, I, I'm really glad that Jacksonville, New England's first, because if I have to finish off my Sunday knowing that the Patriots are going 
to the Super Bowl. It's not gonna. At least I need some sort of buffer. You don't want to be tortured that late in the evening. No, no, no. Let me know first, so then I have a buffer of another game, and then I can start the rest of my two weeks before the Super Bowl. So moving on. So Jacksonville, New England, three o'clock game in New England. The, it opened up at uh, New England, given nine, but now it's down to seven and a half. So the line moved slightly favorable towards Jacksonville. Um, what do you make of that game? Now, well, I'm, I'm trying to think. Do they remind you at all of the, of the Ravens with Dilfer? I'm sorry, say that again? Do they remind you of the Jacksonville Jaguars this year of the Ravens when they hit Dilfer and won the Super Bowl? 2000, the, the, uh, the awesome defense of the uh, Ravens? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, look, they if they are going to win, two things they need to, and I know, uh, you know, Belichick. His whole thing, everybody ever tells you is, what did what does Belichick do? He takes away your best weapon. Your best weapon on the um, Jaguars' offense is Fournette, so they're going to stack the box. So here's what I propose: as I've mentioned, these three running backs, Ivory, Fournette, Yeldon, have some sort of double, you know. T- double running back set, even triple running back set, put Fournette out wide because Fournette can, pat, can catch the ball. Ivory sure. can catch the ball. Yeldon's a good pass blocker. He, you know, All three are good at, pass, at, at run blocking as well. Just use them and do all sorts of crazy stuff back there. Well, New England's, you know, they're prepared for what uh, skill set Ivory has. I mean, they face him twice a year for, for a few years, didn't they, with the Jets? Yeah, when he was a Jet. He did. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not, he's not going to show them anything new now. No, no, but they're going to want Bortles to, th- they're going to force Blake Bortles to throw it. Now, he could either come out and be Blake Bortles, you know, 300 yard passer, or he could be Blake Bortles, three t- interceptions and two touchdowns in garbage time. So it, it, it remains to be seen, and that's kind of what He's the— like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. But in terms of the defense, I mean, I, I, I want to see, and I really hope, you need to blanket Gronk with somebody like Miles Jack. Because he's big and he's fast, he compares to Gronk, and he could cover him. Because any anybody who puts a cornerback or a safety on Gronk already has lost the matchup. Well, I don't think you can really cover him the whole game. You know, he, you know, I mean, it's just when you know when he runs this, you know, a deep slant, and and Brady leads him with it. I mean, he uh, he's going to out out leap. Who you know, he's. He's a tough mismatch. No, I look. I agree. I mean, that's all I know is I would rather have uh, a linebacker who's of equal size to Gronk cover him than a safety or a cornerback. I do not want to see AJ uh, uh, Bowie or Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, on Gronk because that's that's just a, that's a problem. Well, you're going to have to mix it up. And the other thing is is pressure. Bring it to Brady now. Well, everybody wishes they could get middle pressure. But do you don't do you think that Jacksonville could get that pressure? Yeah, but not consistently. I mean, they they've got enough cuz look, all you need to do is just let even it, don't don't give up the big play. You know, let them dink and dunk. They're going to push Lewis down your throat. You know, as you mentioned, they're not good against the run. They're going to So the keys to Jack cuz we know, look, we're not talking about the keys to how the Patriots can win because all you need to know is that Brady's back there and, and everybody's assuming that they've already, mm. you know. But, you know, look, 
he's lost in the championship game before. You know, they Oh, it can happen. It can happen. You know, as recently as a couple years ago, the Ravens beat them in New England to go to the Super Bowl. You know, the Jets have gone up there. Um, I'm, you know, Manning is three and two against Brady in the playoffs. Which is hard to believe. Three and two against Brady in the playoffs. Um, so well, you have the Tom Coughlin effect. I look. If he's not, if if <laughs> I'd be really shocked if I found out that like Tom like kept his hands off or like stayed away from you know the coaching set. He's got to tell them. He's got to know. And I'll point back to the fact that, you know, him and Belichick, Coughlin and Belichick were on the same staff, uh, late 80s, early 90s, especially that 1990 championship season for the Giants. He saw him every day in practice. He knows exactly what Belichick is all about, and that helped him. And, I mean, what was the key to the Giants winning those Super Bowls against Brady was the pressure. The well, first, exactly. The first time was the pressure, and, you know, the second time was helped by a drop pass, but... You know, and this also leads into my next thing, which is a, a small little tease. I think from up above is Brady's hand, the injury to Brady's hand. Apparently, he uh, hurt it on a teammate's helmet during practice, and so now he's got a glove on the hand. And that's the that's his throwing hand. That's his throwing hand. I mean, you're really you are just teasing everybody outside of the Boston area with this quote unquote injury. I mean, I, I definitely think that it's it's injured, but, like, how much of a problem is it going to be on the grip? And then, of course, people are bringing up, well, who's taking care of it, the Patriots staff or Alex Guerrero? So there's a <laughs> there's lot. I mean, what, look, what is he, rubbing vegetables on it? He might be. Uh, dr- drink more water, and also this here's a, here's a liquid that will uh, save you from concussions or CTE. I have a, you know, whatever Alex Guerrero is pushing. So it, it's just, it's a little thing. All, all I want, here's all I want, is just I want to know that Brian Hoyer, Hoyer plays sometime before the fourth quarter. If that happens, I'm feeling very, very good. That would be exciting. If Brady has to go out for an extended period of time and Brian Hoyer has to come in, that'll make my day. That'll make my day. <laughs> so let's move on to the other game, which is the proper game to be late. And just it, it's going to be a fascinating game. Number one versus number two. Minnesota travels to Philadelphia. Minnesota opened up as a ro- as a road favorite, given three, uh, three and a half. Now now moved down to three. Um, Philadelphia again a home dog, and I'm sure they're relishing it. But I, I, not as many people. Uh, more people are taking them this time than they did against the the Falcons for sure. Hmm. I mean they've got to. So, what do you what do you mean? You're saying that the you think they have a better chance? I'm saying that in terms of public opinion and better better opinion, that there were far less people who took the Eagles last week than are taking them this Mm, week. Yeah, well, the line was bigger, true. Right, but I'm 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 not saying it went from nobody to everybody is picking the Eagles, but it went from nobody to maybe thirty percent. Well, I think the last eight. Uh, NFC Championship games, the home team won. It's very likely. And look, Minnesota is a dome team. You know, they played those two seasons at the University of Minnesota while U.S. Banquet Stadium was being built. But, I mean, it's an interesting matchup because um, Philly can run the ball really well, 
more so than um, the Vikings can. And you know, Keenum over Foles, it's not that big of a of a of a difference, but you know, it, it's big enough that you know the Vikings are probably going to be a better passing team on Sunday than the Eagles. Um, and it kind of plays to their. It plays to their opposite strengths. The Vikings are a much better uh, pass defense than a run defense, so the Eagles could run it all over them. And the Eagles are a better um, run defense than the uh, than the pass defense. So well, they can get pressure on a quarterback. That's for sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. Did have the Eagles played their best game yet? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, that, that field goal game, they have to improve on that. And how can Minnesota improve on what they did? I mean, I mean, they gave up. Uh, didn't they give up like 24 points in 11 minutes? Who the the Vikings? I mean, it was seven. Yeah, the Vikings. It was like 17 nothing forever. Yeah. And then they gave up like another twenty unanswered points or twenty one or something like that. I'm saying it was like twenty four in like eleven minutes. So, you know, is that you know it, it's interesting. Which is the real? I mean, I, I think you want to take. You know, it looks logical that you know that Minnesota might be the better team, but uh, I, I wouldn't count Philly out. No, no, I wouldn't count them out. I, and that really is. I mean, this is this is a tough game to call. Well, well, let's go by who do. You, what are your best bets? Who do you like? What are you taking? I mean, I'm thinking about the Eagles outright and um, the Jags with the line. Seven and a half Jags getting seven and a half? Yeah. Yeah, that really does scream like a, a, a close game. Like a touchdown. Yeah, they can only hope. Right. And then the Eagles outright, pl- you know, getting the three. Yeah. yeah, like winning like 13 to 10 or something ridiculous. Like, like a you know, the most boring game. Yeah, I like the under. I, I would definitely take the under. Yeah, it's like thirty six and a half. Uh, I have thirty nine, thirty eight and a half. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah, okay. thirty eight, thirty nine. That's even better. Yeah, looking at win, win Las Vegas. That's thirty eight and a half under. Beautiful, beautiful. And, the, and uh, Jack, yeah, Jacksonville, New England. Uh, that's at, that opened up at forty seven. It's forty six and a half right now. Under over. Um, I guess you got to take the over on that one. Well, after if you think they're going to play like they did in Pittsburgh, well, twenty-one, twenty-three, or you know, twenty-three, twenty-seven, twenty-four, something like that. You know, right. if if either team scores three touchdowns, you're you're starting to get in that range. And um, if Hoyer plays, <laughs> I get. Then I can then then I can take a beautiful afternoon nap. That's what I That's can do. <laughs> speaking of speaking of betting, uh, so the end of the Vikings game. Um, you know, with the yeah. with the miracle touchdown, twenty nine, twenty four, and they've got to kick the field goal. And well, you mean the extra point? Or the I'm sorry, the extra point. They got to get. You know, everybody's out uh, off the field. All every it, right. it's pandemonium, and they got to call the people out and bring people, them back in. And um, yeah, a lot of lot of lot of people were very upset because they had the uh, was it the Vikings to cover. And uh, by not kicking, well, the ex- ones that had five and a half, right? You know, because I was in Vegas, and it really the line was at four and a half at, uh, you know, at a couple of places and five, and then late it went five and a half. So the majority of the money was on, you know, Minnesota, right? So so by it, but if he had five, it was a push. Five and a half, they don't have to pay those betters. 
So and so yeah, it looked yeah, it looked fishy, right? It didn't look good for the league, right? No, it didn't look good because then because also the fact that they had to review it, you know, you know, everybody's celebrating, and there's a Skeletor over on the side who also will now be <laughs> he's going to be he's going to be officiating the Super Bowl they've announced. You know, and there he is off to the side, and he's, you know, reviewing the play, and he has to make the call, and they got to kick, you know, go for the extra point, and they just decide to... Uh, they take to me, but that's the most exciting play in football. It yeah. you win. Yeah, it's true. Um, so that's that. Um, so what do you make of it? You think the fix was in, or well, just a uh, convenient way to end it all? And well, look. too much of it, or... Well, look, the... Be- um, it's a lesson. Don't gamble. What? What? Well, the bookies and Las Vegas made up. Well, first of all, leading up to that game, there were two other upsets. Again, everybody had the Falcons. Nobody had right. the Eagles. So if you had that game, you lost there. And, of course, the Jags and the Steelers. And the Steelers overlooking everybody and thinking that they're going to go. They've already got their ticket punched to go to New England. And everybody, you know, a bunch of people had them too. So if you were only, if you only had the Saints, or if you only had the Vikings, I'm sorry, then... Yeah, that's a large amount of people, but a lot of tickets got blown up early, and I mean early. Eight it's, o- it's so true. Eight o'clock on a Saturday, your ticket was done. <laughs> your weekend was done. You you throw a couple parlays down, and you got the yeah. Falcons. Nope. And the lesson is, they pay the other team too. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that's going to go. Uh, moving over to the the uh, coaches, the head coaching vacancies. One popped up after this weekend that we kind of figured, but not that we expected necessarily. After there was more than I ever expected. Well, the Titans decided to part ways with Mike Malarkey. Apparently, uh, from uh, yeah, they thought he was Malarkey. From uh, from the top down, apparently they said, uh, "Well, we want to make some changes on your coaching staff, Malarkey." And he goes, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." And they said, well, goodbye. So Mike Malarkey's out of a job. Uh, He was a Titan forever. Well, that's old school. That's what old school coaches would do. The new school is do whatever you want, just don't hack my pay. Right. And, you know, the GM came in uh, with Malarkey already as the head coach. So he had to, you know, he had to give it a ride. And now he can go pick his own coach. So that adds to another vacancy. So we've got right now five vacancies. And technically, three are already wrapped up. The Lions from, you know, unofficially, uh, that looks where Matt Patricia is going to go, defensive coordinator of the Patriots. And the Colts is where Josh McDaniels is going to go, offensive coordinator for the Patriots as well. Looks like they're going to go to the Colts. And the Giants, unofficially, it's being said that Pat Shermer, offensive coordinator for the Vikings, former Browns coach, is going to be their next head coach. Which is Another kind of, offensive guy. Uh, which is kind of surprising because all I heard was that the Giants wanted a defensive coach. And I was saying that Matt Patricia really should have gone there, but apparently the um, the GM in um, in Detroit apparently you know is also from New England, a New England front office guy. The Titans have a of a former New England uh, a front office guy. There's a bunch of these front office guys from New England. It's like the new coaching tree. It's the front office tree, and they all cycle back to Belichick in New England and Kraft. You know, Dimitrov in um, well, none in of them are successful on their own. Uh, Atlanta, uh, although I don't know how much Dimitrov. You know, he didn't. He wasn't the one who drafted Matt Ryan, but he. You know, he's there and. Uh, Scott Polio had a little bit, but not much, you know, in Kansas City. Not much at all. 
Right. I think you're right about that. But so far, John Gruden and Matt Nagy are your only hires so far. The Cardinals' job is still wide open, and now the Titans' job is, is wide open. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. And they uh, changed coordinators in Seattle. So, you know. Yeah, Tom Cable's gone. Ken Norton stays on in um, Seattle. Um, and also, somebody, uh, one of the New York papers interviewed Mike Holmgren, who hired Pat Shermer. Uh, right. As the offense, as um, head coach of the Browns, and he was not—he did not have nice things to say about um, Shermer. Really? Yeah, saying like he's—he, he, you know, he's—he's he's combative. Uh, he wants to do things his own way. He's not very. Uh, it might have also been, you know, Holmgren with some sour grapes. Like, hey, he didn't thank me for the job. Uh, okay, relax. <laughs> you know, you could have taken the—you could have taken that job right away too, Holmgren, but you decided no. But, yeah, well, I think it's time that Mike gets off the stage. <laughs> well, I think he did. That's for sure. Um, moving over to baseball, um, the trade market. The Mets, the Mets just signed a 35-year-old. Who? Who did they sign? Where was this? Uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, Adrian Gonzalez, yes. Well, this is because apparently, so the Mets signed Adrian Gonzalez. He formerly of the... Gosh, the Dodgers most recently, he got injured this past season, and, you know, uh, Cody Bellinger. So this, guy, this guy's left-handed, only plays first base, and they already have a guy like that. Well, apparently, f- through the grapevine, they're saying that um, the Mets front office wants Dom Smith, Dominic Smith, to have a little bit more seizing in the minor leagues, that he's not quite he's ready. He's like 20, what is he, 22? Uh, yeah, he's still young. He's only played like one actual full season. You know, he's only played one season over 100 games. They think he needs more seasoning. He looked pretty good from what I saw towards the end of the year, but, you know, that was a team going nowhere fast. Um, so they want, th- look, it's competition right off the bat. Uh, Gonzalez does have a very impressive career line. Um, so it remains to be seen. But right now, it seems like it's Gonzalez's job to lose. Like, Dom really has to put in the work if he wants to be the starting first baseman for the New York Mets. So, you know, what am I supposed to be surprised? I mean, I, I still have to deal with, you know, somebody's bad. I still have to deal with my owner's bad investments, and they're coming back to haunt my team. Meanwhile, he's never going to sell the team in a in a mar- in the number one market where you really should be as 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 a Met owner you should be spending at least 150 million dollars a year maybe 175 and he's like oh 120 is good well you know i i, I gotta make some payments back to the courts hmm. um but the giants uh san francisco that is the san francisco fo- baseball giants made a trade for andrew mccutcheon um the face of the pittsburgh pirates for the last decade uh former i think MVP, did he not? I think he won the MVP. But it seems like they're the richest clubs uh, minor league. I yeah. Mean, Pittsburgh gets picked apart, but usually by the Yankees. Yeah, usually happens. I mean, it's a small market club, no? I mean, they, they, they can't hold talent. No, but this also fills into what we've been talking about, how... All these teams look at the Astros and look at the Cubs and say, "Yes, that's what we got to do. We have to, we have to take the dive for three to four seasons, maybe five, hoard top of the top draft picks, get them all at once, and pray that uh, that they all come up." So working. San Francisco's been able to get this this talent without really giving up young young. 
No, no, they haven't been. However, it's really going to set them back. I mean, this might also be their way of like, you know, you know, at least having a big hurrah on the way down. Like these other teams, like you look at the, gosh, I'm trying to think of a team that's like basically the Pirates. The Pirates are deciding, hey, let's get rid of our big names. We'll trade away for some small pieces. We'll stink for a couple years and get those draft picks. Here the Giants are going, well, let's get all these old veterans that are going to break down in two or three seasons, and then we'll just, you know, we'll be terrible on the way down. At least we'll have some big names playing. Well, when you look at the names, you think 2012. Yeah, 2012. Andrew McCutcheon, Evan Longoria. I mean, this really, yeah, this would be perfect. That's six years ago. Yeah, exactly. No, not... Not anymore. Um, but but at least they're not standing pat. No, no, they're actually trying some stuff, and that's a very competitive. The other thing is the Giants are a very in a very competitive division. The NL West is, I mean, the sure. Diamondbacks made the playoffs last year. The Rockies made the wild card game last year. And the, the Dodgers are for real. The Dodgers made the World Series last year, and then you've also got the pot. I mean, the Padres are terrible. So you know, but yes. that's still three teams ahead of the Giants. So they got to fight. They have to fight for relevancy in a huge market that is San Francisco. Um, You know, when you've got to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, the Warriors, (laughs) you got to make a name for yourself. So, and but that also leads to the Pirates and Josh Harrison. They're pretty much only um, really good player left, saying, "I want out." Okay, I'm next. I'm letting you know I am next. Please, please do this for me. So we'll see, and maybe the Mets could get in on that, but of course, yeah, not likely. Probably not. Right? The Pirates also traded away Garrett Cole, who was supposed to go to the Yankees, and that that fell through. So now Garrett Cole goes down to Houston, where they've, you know, um, secured their starting uh, rotation yet again. I mean, Cole, he's Cole. I think he's twenty nine. I mean, yeah, but the Yankees are the favorite. Of course, they are. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Because they can get a hundred, two guys hit a hundred home runs. I don't. Care. Right, but can their pitchers not give up 100 home runs? That'll be the, the question. Because the whole thing, they wanted Garrett Cole to be like, okay, well, we've got all this hitting, now we need to improve our pitching, and Garrett Cole fell through. And the way they're talking, you Darvish, you know, we talked about last week that he was offered and then not, and apparently Darvish is saying, no, no, you know, the Yankees and Darvish are just, they want Darvish, but they're also making up lies. So it's very, very curious what's going on over there. I think everybody wants the Yankees to bid. I mean, it, it, it helps the price. Well, also, you know, it, there are people who are in the belief that um, baseball is better when the Yankees are relevant. I mean... There might be something about that, too. Right. Uh, now the Yankees have taken their proper role as uh, the biggest heel in baseball after a, a nice little baby face run. So, you know, everybody loves to hate the Yankees, and they sell tickets for all the all, all those road games. People want to see them. It's true. It's true. They're, they're, they're good for the game. Yeah, they really are. Uh, moving over to basketball, because there is some news in basketball. It's, though it's not always the on-the-court, well, technically, the on-the-court stuff that's not going well, that kind of you know pre-playoff stuff that, that makes us want to talk about them. But um, anonymous sources within the Cleveland clubhouse, like players, have been texting front office members as an SOS. Like, please help us. I mean, the the Cavaliers are on a bad stretch right now. Um, they're not playing up to Cavalier, you know, or, or I should say LeBron James um, teammate uh, standard. 
Isaiah Thomas has not been on the court. He's not playing well. So things are falling so apart. So who's the point guard? Um, I think uh, not Kyrie. No, not Kyrie. Um, Wade isn't Wade? Don't Wade. I'm saying if it's not him, who? What? I don't know. Well, look, you got to figure James is the best guy on the court, no matter who he's playing with, especially against Curry. But it's just it's not working out for them, and they're faltering, and you know things are not going well in the clubhouse too. So it remains to be seen what happens next. And, and now it really is just, you know, the longest preseason ever to the play, playoffs, which is where the real season begins. So, But they're not positioned well. Now, what about Boston? Are, are, can, are they as good as Boston? Right now, no. I, I don't think so. You know, Kyrie Irving is playing like, Kyrie Irving is playing like a man possessed. But the league has enough stars that they can, they can do it without, uh, without James. Yeah, because, you know, the Warriors are are the team du jour, and Steph Curry is, you know, the man, and Kevin Durant, right. people don't hate him don't hate him as much as they did. You know, things are falling, but also there's a big drop-off after the Warriors. It's the Warriors, and then maybe the Cavaliers and the Celtics, and then, you know, I mean, Oklahoma City is faltering, and they've got some big stars there. Um, you know, Houston's doing okay. Speaking of Houston, that was the other bit of news, so... Uh, Chris Paul returns to Los Angeles uh, against the Clippers and, you know, a nice feel-good video, a thank-you-for-the-memories type stuff. And then Blake Griffin just, you know, he is upset. So he goes, he shoulder-checks the Rockets coach. You know, he's getting in the face of a lot of the Rockets players. Um, And at one point, um, I think, I forget who, I want to say Austin Rivers, maybe um, Ariza um, goes for Blake and he, so he, grab, he tries to grab his pant leg, but he grabs his compression leggings and rips his leg, o- his, his pants open, <laughs> which is very funny to see. And then just jawing on and off the court, players on the sidelines, and Griffin and finally the ref had enough. He had to break up too many fights. One of them, <laughs> Blake Griffin actually tried to inbound a pass from going out of bounds, and he bangs it off uh, Ariza's head. <laughs> it was not. It was not pretty. And then after the game, apparently James Harden and Austin Rivers go in, uh, you know, go outside the Clippers' locker room and calls him outside. Catch me outside. Blake, where are you? Catch me outside. <laughs> uh, but So because of that, Harden and Austin Rivers have been um, suspended for two games in that role. So... Too much. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, right now in the NBA, that's what that's what we have to talk about until we get to the playoffs. Like all these little. Well, things. let's get the Super Bowl over with, and then we can focus on basketball and and baseball and all that stuff. One more thing from baseball. So the pitch clock is likely going to happen uh, in 2018. You really think so? Well, it's um, the players. The players. Um, the players association did not like a lot of the pace of play. Um, stuff that they were implementing, you know, right. especially the twenty-second pitch clock that uh, looks to be going on. Well, I heard that might happen after, if the game goes past three hours. Right. Well, um, you know, they're also. Um, I mean, it's hurry up and get this thing over with. Isn't why I go to a, a leisurely game. No, because it's a game you can sit back. You know, baseball's a game where you sit back in your chair. Football's a game where you sit on the edge well, of your seat. First of all, it's the only sport that's played without a clock. Right. So now, you know, in this new age... Well, is there anything else they can do to ruin this sport? 
Um, how about limitations? I mean, I mean, they're really working on it. How about limitations on mound visits? I mean, that, you know. That, um, that's when I go and do my thing in I mean, the stadium. Um, you know, and the players are suggesting, well, what about the instant replay system? Can we, um, you know, can, can we fix that first before you start worrying about what well, I'm doing? I think doing? that's true in all sports. I mean, can we get people that know the rules of the game to mm-hmm. call it as it's planned, or can we just get them off the field and we'll uh, announce it on the PA system? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the NFL, you know, yeah. they, they're Does kill- everybody have to go to the ground? I mean, can you stand up when you catch these things? I don't know anymore. Well, I know. They get they're too technical. Yeah, of course they are. And it's all because they don't, you know, everybody's worried about, like, what the mentions on Twitter is going to be. You know, like, oh, God, that game is so long. Whoa, they said this game is so long. We have to listen to this one person. But, <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting. You know, worry well, about. At these, at these prices, you pay to go see these games. You want them to last. Yeah, I think so. And baseball's the cheapest ticket that there is. You know, there's yeah, more. I mean, there's more I mean let it be, a, you know, the leisurely game that it is. I know, but some people just can't stop. You know, how much is too much? How much money is too much money before you, you know, not try to make so much more? I don't know. It's something to keep an eye out for. So. You're taking the fun out of it. I agree. All right, Dad. Well, thanks for joining me on this episode. Absolutely. All right. Everybody enjoy your championship Sunday, and we'll see you on the other side. Let's see who's going to be in the Super Bowl. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll have a Super Bowl episode prior to uh, February 4th, but we'll also have one next week, too. We'll kind of talk about, you know, review the game and also talk about a couple other things pertaining. And all that stuff. So, all right, Dad, take care. Andrew. Bye-bye. Andrew, take it away. This has been another episode of Everyman Sports. The show's music is Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under CC Attribution 3.0. Everyman Sports can be found on Facebook.com, where you can like it to receive updates and news. Visit Everyman Sports in the iTunes Store to leave a review of the show. Also, visit everymansports.podbean.com directly to comment and support. Everyman Sports can be contacted directly at everymansports at gmail.com. 